0: Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts Lucy Davis
1: and Benjamin Halden. So in today's podcast, well actually it's been a hot minute since we've recorded a six
0: weeks. new episode, it's actually
1: been six weeks because we have been in Lanzarote for six, six weeks. weeks and unfortunately we didn't have our pod kit, pod kit, podcast kit with us. Well
0: we had half of the kit. And we forgot the other half of the kit. We couldn't commit to a podcast because it would have been shite.
1: Yeah, so basically we didn't want to record a shit podcast for you (laughs) where it sounds like you were listening through like a time portal or something like that. So today we're coming with an episode with a very special guest. And we'll be talking about gyms, training, exercise, and the benefits it has for your brain, your mindset, and your physical health. So I am today sitting with a very good friend of mine, a gym owner... I think he's probably known in the UK now as Jim King.
0: Or as Jim a, Hero.
1: Or Jim Hero. I
0: think Jim Hero or, sounds
1: nice. What else has he been called recently?
0: Hero of the North.
1: King of the porn world.
0: Definitely Except not.
1: <laughs> but, uh, today we have Mr. Nick Wickham. So thank you for joining us today, Nicholas. Good evening, guys. if you would like would you like to expand on that brief intro I've just given you? Is there anything else there that I missed? You set the bar pretty high. I'll take that <laughs> No arguments. It's only down for me, mate. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. But um, today, obviously, a lot of you guys may have seen quite a lot of Nick on Sky News, on BBC News, on ITV News, on OnlyFans. He's been all over the place (laughs) at the moment.
0: Also known as Nick Capo, can we just say as well, because people might not recognise you for your actual last name. He's known as Nick Capo on Instagram. Just a lot more. more, Well, people would recognise that quite easily, wouldn't they? To be
1: honest, Nick, what is your full name? My full name is Nicholas Whitcomb. Okay, that, that just uh, verifies that one then for us. Yeah. So obviously a lot of people will have seen you recently for kind of being the forefront and being the hero who has stood up for what is going on with gyms during lockdown and a big advocate for gyms staying open. So I think we first want to kick off this podcast just by saying like where... Did the thinking come from from you to be like kind of the advocate and the poster boy for this? And what what kind of made you take those first steps? Where did the where did the data come from? Where did the stats lie? That's clearly air yeah, with this first. It was a series of unfortunate events,
2: really. Although where it ended up and where it's taken the industry, I'd say it's more fortunate than it were unfortunate. Um, being in Liverpool and being the first uh, area in the whole of the country to be put into the <laughs> tier three restrictions. It put us in a really difficult situation now we had an indication that liverpool were being put into the uh, tier three brackets maybe five or six days prior to us actually being you know put into that tier and our local mayors came forward and said that the financial package that the city had been offered was entirely inadequate and we were due to see levels of employment in liverpool that we'd not seen since the 1980s which i didn't live through but my family did live through Mm -hmm. being from anfield and that certainly wasn't something that I wanted our generation to endure. And <clears throat> we didn't know at that point quite where we stood. The legislation at that time stated that the decision to open or close gyms within the tier three restrictions lay with local authorities, So it would have been up to our local MPs or local mm-hmm. mayors as to whether or not the health and fitness industry would be closed in our area. Now, when the prime minister made the announcement, which were early to mid October, he stated in the press conference that gyms and fitness centres were to close along with everything else within the tier 3 restrictions. Now, within 30 minutes of his announcements our mayors and our local MPs had tweeted saying, we had nothing to do with this the decision was meant to be ours and had it been ours, we'd have left the the sector and the industry to be open. We understand its importance. Now this obviously caused uproar in the community central government were continuing to say, you know, it was up to local authority. We had nothing to do with this. And our local authority was saying, no, it wasn't. It was, it was central government. So we knew that somebody was, something was amiss. Somebody was lying as to who that were. We didn't know at the time. So as you know, myself and Thea Holden, who owns a gym maybe a mile or two down the road from me, mm. Nathan Dasher across the water in Liverpool, we started a, a WhatsApp group with as many independent gym owners as we could across Merseyside and said, look. How many did you get in that group initially? We had about 65% of us as private owners. Now, that that got to about 200 gym owners within the space of, I don't know, the first six or seven days.
0: That's unbelievable, isn't it?
2: Yeah, Yeah, it spread spread really quickly. Now, myself and Thea put a video up the day before we were forced to close and said, look, if this does happen, we're not going to close. Because we've looked at the data that governments have provided. So we have... The data that's been collected and published on the Office for National Statistics, which is a a government site, this isn't just something that somebody's pulled together, and it stated that gyms at the time only contributed to 1.7% of the infection rates for the entire country, 1.7%. Now, we know using UK actives data, which is our trade body, that from the period between July 24th, when our sector was allowed to open after the first initial lockdown, up until mid to late September, we'd had thirty million gym visits logged across the country, less than two hundred and fifty confirmed cases of infection. Now, looking at those statistics and given all the other sectors that were left open at the time, you knew we had. I mean, the stats are changing every week, as we know. In Towards the end of the campaign, we had uh, education responsible for like 45% of the infection rate across the country. We had hospitality around somewhere at 25 to 30% at the time of us being closed. Now, off the health and fitness sector, were responsible for 1.7%. So we knew something was amiss. Yeah. And so we banded together. We got in the WhatsApp group. We we're like, look, what do we do here? So this is the day prior to the restrictions being enforced. What do we do? Okay, let's reach out to our mayors. Let's do it the right way. Let's reach out to the MPs. We sent emails to everybody. We got nothing back. So we made the decision that we were gonna stay open. There was not sufficient evidence to justify closing our sector at the time. So we said, look, we'll take the chance. Mm -hmm. We've got to do this, we've got to do this, not only for ourselves, not only for our businesses, for our employees, but for our members and their physical health their mental health, their social health. The entire spectrum of health were at risk. Now, if there had been statistics provided that suggested that we were part of the problem, we'd have closed. It's as simple as that. It wasn't a reckless decision that we made. We just said, right, Here's government's data, here's our trade body's data, and here's the decision. The decision didn't make any sense. It wasn't supported by the evidence. And not only that, they had stated in the legislation that it would be up to local authority. We'd spoken to local authority and they said, we would let you open if it were our decision, which it should have been. So it was never a reckless decision that we made. So we banded everybody together. We stayed open. The first day of tier three lockdown, as planned, we were open. By 9 a.m. that morning, we had our first visit from the police. Now, <clears throat> the first visit from the police was a really soft approach. There was only, I think there was three officers that attended. They entered the premises. They said, look, Nick, we're here to give you your first official warning. We understand the situation. we seen your video yesterday. We know the stats. We know that you shouldn't be closed. We know that the mayors and the MPs are saying you shouldn't be closed. We've, just, we've got orders to come down here and give you first warning. We were like, listen, guys. It is what it is. That, that's perfectly fine. Do you know I mean? They were respectful for us. We were respectful for them. He said, look, as far as we understand it, when we come back tomorrow, it'll be a £200 fine and it'll double every day mm-hmm. until it eventually reaches £10,000 and then so on and so on. Was this the,
1: the video <laughs> that you had where like the officers came with like the big fuck-off assault rifles and <laughs> you had the video <laughs> went viral and stuff as well? Didn't that you?
0: was a viral video. Yeah.
1: yeah, so the first visit
2: was first thing in the morning and that was literally just touch base. So that was the three officers and that's where they said, right we'll be back tomorrow to give you your first 200 pound fine. The day after that will be 400. Now, we thought that was it for the day. Three hours later, they returned in force. There was maybe seven or eight officers from the armed division of the police. Now, they weren't armed at the time in terms of, you know, nobody had guns, but they were all equipped with tasers as you can see in the videos, you know, the the yellow hazard Mm -hmm. uh, holsters on their chest. Now, the police later made a statement to say that the officers that attended weren't armed. And my, my rebuttal to that is if I was caught on the street driving down the road and I had the taser in my pocket, I'd be arrested for having yeah. a firearm. Do you know what I mean? They were, they, they were armed officers. Seven or eight of them attended. They come back and I had a conversation with them. And keep in mind, I recorded all of this so nothing could be taken out of context. So they said, look, Nick, we don't want to be here. We're embarrassed that we are here. We shouldn't be being taken away from the serious matters that are going on in merseyside right now to deal with this do you know what i mean we are going to have to come and find you if you don't close in this moment right now and i said and i said to the officer i said look guys i said i don't mean to be disrespectful and i'm not trying to be argumentative or provocative here but unless you can provide me with the evidence that clearly states that we are more of a risk than we are a benefit to the country and to the nation's health i'm not closing i'm not willing to do that to my members i'm not willing to do that to our industry If you can provide me with that now, if you can show me any government statistics whatsoever that suggests that it would be safer for the nation that we close, the doors close immediately. There's no argument there whatsoever.
1: I think the good thing is that you did at this point was address that, obviously in regards to the local policing authorities, that they weren't to blame. Because I think a lot of people were taking hostility towards the police, whereas you brought that up initially saying that they were just obviously directly following what they were being told to do by their, yeah, by their superiors. It, and, and it was kind of cat 22 for them. They had to come and do something to show from like a public presence. They were doing something about it. And obviously from, from your point, of view, you were doing what you need to do from your angle as well. Of course. And it would have been very easy for
2: us to demonize the police at that point, And everybody would have got behind that as they do. It's an anti-authority movement. Oh, mm. let's hate the police. But it, make, it it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The police don't make the rules. They came to us. They were polite. They were understanding. They expressed the fact that they disagreed with the situation not only that you've got to remember like there, there, there was some there was some comments that were made oh the police should be standing up to this if they know it's wrong them stand if they if they have stood up to those orders all that would have happened would they'd have been dismissed they'd have been dismissed seven or eight weeks shy of christmas the majority of them have got families to provide for if they'd have stood up to it they'd have lost their jobs kids would have suffered families would have suffered and for what they'd have just sent another officer who would have been willing to do it because he wouldn't have been uh, prepared or willing to do that to his family. So as I said, we we treated the police with respect and they expressed over and over again. And this video that I've got goes on for 45 minutes. We don't want to be here, this is wrong. Please don't make us fine you. And I said, look, I'm just gonna film this guys because I want this for my own record because I filmed a whole conversation on uh, my GoPro, which has never been released and I don't intend it to either. There's no no benefit to that. But I said, look guys, I'm just going to take a quick kind of you guys here to document that you're here. Do me a favor, make sure you're all distance. make sure there's nothing that can get yeah, you yeah. in trouble. You know what I mean? Because it, it was never intended to be a hostile action. So I, I panned very quickly, filmed the police, filmed the tasers on their chest, panned into the gym where the, where the members were. And the video couldn't have been longer than 10, 15 seconds. And I went home very quickly, kept the gym open, received my £1,000 fine.
0: So um, it suddenly went up to a thousand pounds straight away. Straight yeah. away, so the, this
2: is what really was, was, was really just bizarre. Not, about it. Yeah. yeah, so initially they told it was, it was, it was due to be 200 pounds the first day, 400 the second, 800, 1600, and so on. He come back and he said, Look, we've been told from and I, I forget the exact role that he told me, but it was essentially his boss's boss's boss that they had to come back and they had to shut this down immediately. Now they come back, and the first the first fine was a thousand pounds, and I said, Look, I said can you tell me how frequently you can do this? Like, is it 24 hours until you can find me again? Can you walk out the door and come back in again? He said, I'll I'll, I'll be honest, Nick, I don't know. So he went outside and he phoned the, whoever the, the the legal department is within the police. He come back in and he said, look, it can double. It doubles every time. And it doubles every three hours that we come back. It's a, it's a maximum of 10,000 pound fine. And then that can be issued every three hours. And we're a 24 hour facility. So that's 80,000 pounds a day that we were liable to be fined. <clears throat> so I've got this footage now, I've got the 15 seconds, the police left, I shot home, I recorded a quick two and a half, three minute video, explain the situation, put the video onto Instagram, within 24, 30 hours, it had maybe seven, eight million views across two different platforms. You had celebrities sharing it across the world. It, it, it went absolutely nuts and before you knew it, we had uh, interview requests from nearly every news outlet you can imagine BBC Sky ITV yeah. you know lab bible shared it. it absolutely everybody everybody who's anybody had shared it and it went through the roof so straight away we had not just national exposure but global exposure now after that we thought it best to not make the do- the, the police's job difficult for them yeah so <clears throat> I had a conversation with the police off camera, and I won't name which officers were there. And he said, "Look, if the building is closed, we can't force entry. What you're doing is not a criminal matter; it's civil." He yeah. said, it, it, "He said, it. I'm embarrassed well, for the fact you gave
1: me like decent advice here. Like, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. This is a fucking loophole that you can jump through." And...
2: Because he knew it was wrong. If you've got, he said, "There's been eight of us tasked to do this today to issue a civil fine. It wasn't even a criminal criminal matter. You've got eight officers from the armed division of the police who've been tasked for the day, not at their own choice." have been given the task of coming to my premises to a local business and handing this out. Now, not only have you got the fact that that's morally wrong, it's statistically wrong, but you've got to consider for for a second the the psychological impact that you're doing to police. Now, these, these police are from Merseyside, we're local businesses, they. they Half of them are likely to see me walking around Tesco or walking through town when I'm when I'm shopping.
1: Do you know what they I mean? They've probably well, think been that... to
0: your gym. Like they yeah. probably yeah. go the cool to the gym. That's what
1: I've said before. And I said this previously on the podcast is that a lot of people forget that the police officers aren't robots. Like they're normal people. They have a conscience and they will have other conscience when they turned up to your facility. Like I said to you the other day when we've been chilling in Android, I had to go and do like speeding operations when I was in the police. I used to fucking get, coach people into advice of how they could get around this bean ticket so I didn't have to physically issue it because you don't want to do it. So I'm sure a lot of those guys who would have been turned up to your facility wouldn't have wanted to no, be, be an issue of Those those files as well. And they are good guys. And,
2: and my, my personal opinion of the police is it, it's very easy to demonise the police as a whole. But in any, in any career, in any walk of life, you're going to get X amount of percent of people within that industry that are dicks it's as simple as that and the only reason it gets so much exposure when it's a police officer is because they have a bit of power but that doesn't for one second cast that same blanket across all the police whatsoever you've got to remember that the vast majority as you'll know the vast majority of the people that get into the police get in that job to protect the community and serve the community these are decent people trying to do a decent thing so these have been put into a really difficult situation and you've got to as, as I've said just now, the psychological impact of you being forced to enforce something that you know is unjust as an officer of the law, you being forced to enforce an unjust law upon people that you share your borough with, you share your community with, you're stripping away their livelihoods. As I say, you look in a potentially 80,000 pound fine a day. We'd have been sank in a day if we'd have allowed them back on yeah. the premises. Now you're asking that police officer who is part of the same community to go and strip the livelihoods of the business owner The people who have jobs there, the members that depend on it for their physical and mental well being. The police officer has to go home that night when he finishes work, because it's just end there. He's gotta sit there and he's gotta think about that at night. He's gotta you know, he's set with his family, his missus, his kids, and he's gotta think about what he's done with his day. As somebody who's dedicated their life to helping their community, he's just gone
1: and done something that he knows is wrong. So Well do you think the Nazis will not want to go out and fucking kill all those people? It's (laughs) it's it's adhering to those in power. Yeah, exactly. And that that's
2: why Long story short, we made a point of standing with the police and in every press conference that we did, every interview, every newspaper article, I said, look, the police have been fantastic with us because they were. We had, from day one to day six, we had 20 visits from the police, 20. Now, following the initial advice we had from the police, we shut the front doors. Fortunately, my premises had no windows on the ground floor. So the police had come, they checked the doors, and that was it. Yeah. They could leave. They couldn't force entry because it wasn't criminal. Now it got to the point where the police were attending. They'd tap the door really lightly. They'd look up at the CCTV and they would wave. Yeah. They knew we were open, yeah, yeah, they knew yeah. we were operating. It was just, look, we've done our job. It's the box six isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we've yeah. ticked the box. We can go home. We still get our wages. We can still provide for our family. And, and you're you not can continue over. doing yeah. the right thing because we know that this is unjust. So that was, that was day one anyway. And Thea received her first fine. Nathan received his first fine. I think there were six of us that were fined in the first sort of 24 hours. Now, having now been informed that we were facing up to £80,000 a day, by day two, I think it were, a member of the public set up a a crowdfunding, a GoFundMe page, as you well know. Um, And within, I'd say, three days, that had reached over £50,000, which is huge. And you're not talking five lots of ten thousand pound the vast majority i'd say 80 percent of the donations were about five pound
1: yeah, so load, yeah loads I of think, people i think the first time we've seen you post that you'd been found a thousand pound i think it was was when we put yeah, yeah the yeah. ground in there to because we wanted to try and cover people who i I'd, I'd been to body tech gym for five six seven years I'd been to power gym when it very first had been to gyms that's where i'd grown up in the local area that's where i'd I kind of made my social circle as well. So for me, for that to be, like, hit was 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 big. Even though we were over in London, right, they hit home for me as well. Yeah, you, you can feel it. And
2: as I tried to really hit home in the interviews that we did, our communities aren't what they used to be. You don't have... Families don't go to the public houses after work anymore. and Families don't get together. We don't have community centres. The Royal British Legions have gone. We have nothing left. The, the, the only... The only sort of social pillar of society that still remains
1: is the gym. You're not going there. That people go to the, the gym to social art, so like, so get a social element of life rather than go and sit in the pub and of yeah, <laughs> coolers exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. that it, wife beat us in. It's everything. <laughs> and not just with our generation. The, the the diversity and the demographic
2: of our gym is huge. You know, we've got people in there who are 14, 15 to people who are top end of the 70s. Yeah. And this is all people who are mixing together. We were all positive, we were all healthy. It's a, it's a beautiful place to be, it really is. And, it, it, it's, and that, that's, that,
1: again, adds on to the, the mental health benefits of it because social health is yeah. huge. Well, this was the big thing that I want, really wanted to touch on was the reasoning behind why the big push was for the gyms. because I, I, I don't believe for one minute, and I've known you for a long time, I don't believe for one minute it was from a, a financial point of view or to better yourself in any single way
0: well uh, you would have put yourself in a worse financial position exactly. yeah.
1: I think this was a big point of what we, what we want to read today of the, the importance that it had for people's mental health especially through lockdown for that period before where you were forced to shut and I know that you mentioned on an interview recently with The Guardian some stats in regards to um, mental health and for those with uh, anxiety and depression and stuff as well didn't you yeah so, so the, the, there's two things to cover there let's get the financial side of things out of the way just to cover that base so
2: in the first lockdown, as the rest of the world, we were in the exact same position. We didn't know what this, what this was whatsoever. And when they announced the first national lockdown, regardless of, of what financial packages were, offering, uh, were being offered, the best thing to do was lockdown. Yeah. We needed to know what, what, what we were facing and the best way to tackle it. And we, we, without question, we locked down we put all of our equipment together. It must have been fifty, sixty thousand pounds worth of kit, and we gave that out to every single member that requested kit. No deposit, no rental fee, nothing. We just took our members' names and said, "Look, take what you want, get by as best you can. If you need anything else, let us know, and we'll see you on the other side of this." Because it was open ended, as you know, you know, it was a month, then it was two months, then it was three, and then are we coming out? Are we not? So it was open ended. To so look, guys, this is the best that we can do. We can't let you in here because it's not safe, as far as we know. Take the kit, do your best at home. Now, financially, this time around at tier three, we could have done the same. Give the kit out. The members would have returned the favour, although that weren't the primary reason that we did that. They'd have continued paying their membership. We we would have been fine no matter what. You know what I mean? We didn't need to stay open for financial gain. We'd have been fine either way. Now, in terms of our motive as to why we did stay open, now, as you say, the, the, the mental health stats have been the... Have been the core foundation to our entire campaign. Now, we look at, again, data published by the Office for National, uh, Office for national Statistics and the, combined with uh, the NHS data that they use. Our national depression rate as of March this year sat at 9.6%, I believe it was, nationally. Now, as of, where were we? Mid October, we were at 19.2%. Mm-hmm. So we, we doubled. Our national depression rates had doubled in the space of six, seven months. Suicides were at an all time high. So we knew that the mental health of the country was absolutely crippled, which is understandable. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're a social species. We're not designed to be isolated or alone. And the, docu- the, the Guardian documentary that you mentioned that we did, the analogy I used is this, the worst punishment that we can give to people in this country is to put them in prison. That is the worst, no matter what, what crime you commit, and on how drastic it is and how dire it is we put you in prison mm-hmm. now you can still be punished within prison and the worst punishment within prison is to be put into isolation now you're talking about a nation that had been forced into isolation for four months mm. so it, it's understandable how the mental health of the country had absolutely collapsed to the point where it was double what it, what it were prior to lockdown now <clears throat> we know again using nhs data that Exercise in general reduces the risk of depression by 30%. You know, it, it's absolutely huge. We know that the health and fitness sector saves the country at, at somewhere in the region of 3.6 billion per year in preventing 900,000 cases of type 2 diabetes. Now, that's huge, it's absolutely huge. You've got another 4.5 billion in general healthcare savings. We save the country 450 million in preventing 30 million GP visits a year. Now that the the, the health implications of closing down, the health and fitness sector are drastic. And I mean, the clues in the name Mm -hmm. with the health and fitness sector, we're at a time where we're we're experiencing a a period of time now where national health is at its all time worst. Our physical health and our mental health is at its worst. So to take away the health and fitness sector at a time of national health crisis It didn't make any sense whatsoever. The the statistics didn't support the closure in terms of the threat that we posed. And that is before even taking into consideration the benefits that we contribute to the health of the country. Do you know what I mean? So to take one and then take the other and put them together, we knew for a fact we couldn't close. If we were to close, then we were taking away the last piece of support. Couldn't agree more. That that our our country's got. And that was worth the risk. And I'll be completely honest, I don't know if I'd have gone at it alone. Thea is one of the most Laura Biden citizens you'll ever meet. And it was Thea that more or less pushed us to do this. She was like, look, we know the stats, we were in the chats, we need to do something, what do we do?
1: do we? I think I think from Thea's point of view, she's always been a big, big advocate behind helping those with mental health issues and disabilities because she, from my recollection, I think she coaches quite a few clients who have both physical and mental disability. So I know she was always kind of one of those who was a big advocate anyway, even prior to this. Um, oh, 100%, yeah. And, and Thea, had, and I, and I apologise that I forget the
2: duration of time, but she did spend a period of her life in a wheelchair and it was yeah. the health and fitness industry that brought her back, that she rehabilitated through and now she's fit, healthy and helping hundreds of people herself. Do you know what I mean? So she understands the... the level of importance that our sector has on the country as a whole and, and it was with that that we had we had no choice we had to stay open regardless of the consequence we knew we were doing the wrong thing for the right reasons and it, it, it's very rare that an opportunity like that presents itself to you in life and that is that is your moment do you know what i mean do you yeah, do yeah. the honorable thing or do you just step back and do the easy thing and to see how many people united together and said right we're going to take this risk and it, 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 near enough. For, from a personal perspective, it is all risk. The benefit is to the people, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's not to us, it was just a huge gamble with very little personal reward, but with substantial reward for members of the yeah, community. Yeah. And we did it and we had, as I say, there's about 65% of us to begin with, now very quickly we got the back end of the corps. We had on day one or day two, we had the CEO of David Lloyds on the phone to us, we had a Zoom call with him, that was huge. We had uh, a, combina- a conversation with the CMO of Pure Gym, they backed us extremely hard. Now, you're talking about, and the analogy I've used here, as I did when I had a conversation with Ben and Noel Gymshark, I said, look, this is like you take in the guy who owns the local chip shop or the local, the, lo- the local takeaway and putting him on a Zoom call with the CEO of McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? It, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's completely unheard of in any industry across the entire planet, in any country. It's never happened before. And that's testament to how serious the situation were and how much we understand the importance of our sector. It's, it's to have so many people come together from first-year PTs to the biggest, to the CEOs of the biggest companies in our entire sector and everybody unified. So at this point we had MPs behind us, mayors, the police stood with us, all the members stood with us, the staff stood with us, the big corporations stood with us. It, it seemed like there was no way whatsoever that we were doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. with that, with that momentum and with that motivation at that point, it was like, there's no turning back now. We have to make more noise. More
1: gyms need to open and we need to keep fighting this and get the right thing done. I think so many people understood though as well from the initial lockdown, how much, even those who hadn't had any experience with personal mental health and how it had deteriorated started to understand that more. And just touching on some of your points there, I know that a lot of those people you probably have mentioned in regards to depression, anxiety and deteriorating mental health, there's a stat that I pulled up from um, one of the websites that 60% of people will not seek any help whatsoever and that those figures that you mentioned there drastically increase when factors such as disasters or people who can't have access to healthcare, there's, there's massive increases. So during the pandemic, it's going to be even higher. So I think on, in regards to that, when you're talking about suicide rates and stuff like that, that being one of the pinnacles in regards to the NHS even recognising that gyms, exercise and health and fitness facilities are a major contributor to lightening the load from the NHS, which is what the government were talking about all the time, in regards to that being the, the sole focus for them was to make sure that it didn't get overrun, which it was. It was just kind of like a double-ended sword. It it made no sense. And I think I pulled up a stat there from one of the MIND campaigns was that the average wait for a routine appointment for a psychological therapy was 32 weeks. Now, that was only going to grow. And the only help to them in regards to a non-clinical aspect was to go to the gym. The reasoning behind it obviously made no sense whatsoever. So I feel like that's why a lot more people were understanding of it this time around because they'd experienced how bad... Lockdown could be for mental health and not having the the facilities of a gym or exercise there at the time.
2: Yeah, uh, and central governments have pushed the narrative from day one that we must protect the NHS, we must save lives. Now, the NHS is under more strain now than it ever has been. We know that, and it has been for years and years and years as as central governments have continued to pull funding from it. We have underpaid staff in understaffed hospitals. We, We are... Our National Health Service is crippled right now and anything that we can do to alleviate the struggle and the strain on the NHS, we should be pushing those avenues. And <clears throat> given that we are the health and fitness sector and taking into consideration the fact that you've got the likes of type 2 diabetes and obesity in general cost in the NHS, 9 billion per year and a the cost of 36, 37 billion to wider society. Now, if we were properly endorsed by the government, if our sector was properly properly backed and we had the likes of a, of a workout to help out scheme you could pull that down by half yeah. now that's great now we've got five five million for the nhs within their budget and we've got another 15 billion or so for wider society to use what can we do we could put that into therapy sessions you know the the, the weight the 32 week weight that you've just talked about we could pull that right down and given that suicides are at an all-time high, do you not think that now more than ever we need to be shortening the wait time for people to be getting appropriate counselling? Mental health is at its all-time worst, and we're taking away the the fundamental pillar of support to our national health service whilst chanting that we're saving the NHS, yeah. we're saving lives. Stay home, isolate. Yeah, yeah it, it's complete. It's the it's nonsense. Yeah, they're asking us to stand outside our front doors and applaud the NHS whilst. With their other hand, they're pulling away every piece of support that the NHS has got. Now, everybody could see that but central government. You've seen it, I've seen it, people who have absolutely nothing to do with our industry seen it. Now, the, one of the most surprising elements of the entire campaign for me were the press. When have you ever seen any campaign whatsoever or, or any, any, any national subject where you have the support of both sides of the press? Press that sits left politically. Press that sits right politically. Every single newspaper and every single every single piece of TV that we did, were in favour of what we were doing.
1: I think I feel like some of them they were only on the back of it once to see and the weight was behind it. Like it took a number of people first to stick the neck out with stuff. And even then, I was a bit like, Pfft, yeah, are yeah, you are yeah, sure? Yeah. Are you sure what you're doing there? Cause I remember seeing it first like a fucking ball move. <laughs> but then I feel like the more people that like, jump on the back of it, the easier it is then to kind of fucking float with well, it. And it's I feel like. like
0: Sorry, go on. Go on. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like that thing like, it's like, you know, the analogy with the sticks. You can snap one stick but yeah. when everyone comes together you can't snap all the sticks yeah. at once because you're so, like, powerful with the Yeah, with so the it takes
1: message. one stick to yeah. so you basically a stick, Nick. No, I was trying yeah. to think, yeah. so that's
0: what you did. You did, you brought everyone together. Like, on, on your own, a lot of people would have been too scared to kind of, to voice that and do that but you had that voice so everyone kind of like, felt stronger to come together to talk about it in that mm-hmm. way if that makes sense
1: yeah, yeah i, I want to flip it a little bit as well because i want to put on to a personal point of view obviously you've trained for for many many years from a personal point what i know that you had access to other means and the, the gymnast of yourself because you own it or whatever and you had the means to care what do you think it would have done to you for not being able to train with any kit for four months just being told or oh, you can just fucking train at home. You can do some burpees in your kitchen. You can swing a kettlebell about for a little bit. The first thing
2: I would say is it would have been my diet that suffered first. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I if I stop training, my eating goes poor.
1: Well, we had this conversation about binge eating. Yeah, exactly. that, was, yeah. that was one of the things that I mentioned is that off the back of depression and anxiety that often leads to eating disorders on the back of that. So it's like a big, vicious fucking circle that just... Spirals and eating disorders that's one of the biggest morality rates, so it's only going to lead to that suicide rate just increasing. But we've spoke about this before, yeah, we? yeah, yeah. We have, and and so you've got two elements to consider here you have
2: a having all the time in the world to sit at home bored. Mm-hmm. Now, me and you know, you know, as, as well as anybody else, that when we're bored, we eat, yeah, we eat our feelings, you know, we we, we eat to feel more comfortable. Now, being alone, even if you have equipment, now this, this is. This is something that struck me quite hard in the first lockdown. Now, we gave away almost all of our kit. We kept enough in the gym to see the staff through. Mm-hmm. Now, I had the opportunity to train in that gym every single day, and I didn't, because it's just not the same.
1: Someone asked me that question. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me, why is, why is Nick not training, even though he's got a gym? Yeah. And I think one of the main things that people miss from, even if you've got gym at a gym kit at home, is the atmosphere that is the gym, yeah. and that makes the people is what makes the gym and creates that that atmosphere and that motivation for a lot of people, isn't it?
0: But it's even the whole process of guest in your car, having your pre, driving Routine, to a different yeah. environment, not just literally, oh, I'll shut my laptop, turn around in your kitchen, I'll grab my dumbbell. Well, it was so, we hated it, didn't we? We well, were that's really the thing, struggling, because really because I've probably
1: just had something to eat, then I've turned around on my laptop and then I've done a 360, I'm having a shit and now I'm doing the kettlebell swings <laughs> <through> five <laughs> yards away from where I had a dump. Yeah, there's, there's no
0: And it was really hard from like I think our perspective as content creators like I had absolutely no passion for, for, for filming and for what we were supposed to do as a job because I was like what can you possibly show people that's like interesting but also you had to do that because everyone needed you. Didn't yeah. they, they needed your support and mm. we were just yeah. really struggled. And, and,
2: and it, it it's beautiful the fact that people made the effort regardless. So as yeah. you say there, you were entirely demotivated. Mm. You didn't feel the energy, but you still put yourself out there. You and said, Look. Here's the content. This is what you need to do. I'm not feeling this either. I feel like crap right now, but you're going to feel a whole lot worse if you don't soldier through this mundane home workout. Get it done. Keep your physical health as best you can, your mental health as best you can. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the social elements even on them home videos because they're used to... They're used to Speaking for your members, and I, and I hope I'm right in saying this, they're used to seeing you guys and they're used to seeing your routine. So if they see you doing that, that that's a positive reinforcement yeah. of this is what I yeah. should be doing right now. This is the best thing for my physical and mental health. These guys are doing it. I need to be doing it. Nobody, nobody. I mean, you, you'd have to be a special type of person to really enjoy your home workouts, especially over a long period of time. Yeah. You might get a couple of weeks where you love it. And we found that the feedback we had off most of our members in the first lockdown were that. They trained every day for the first two or three weeks. They smashed it. They had all these brilliant ideas. And after that, the equipment just got left in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not the same on your own. Even even in the gym. Now, when I train, I've got my headphones in. I'm in the zone. I don't really speak to anybody whilst I'm training. But the fact that people are there is what keeps me motivated. Now, through lockdown, when I had the gym to myself, which sounds like a dream until you actually do it. And you look around and it's like, I'm bored. Yeah. I don't want to be here. As
1: as much as you, people don't like to admit, it, there is definitely something about like fuck. You're going for a heavy lift. You can see a pair of eyes a, across the fucking room. Are, are you see You, you see a couple, me? See watching, a couple me? watching. Yeah, there's a bit of fucking. <laughs> there's a bit of pressure there. There's audience. a bit of a. So, yeah, I've got an, I've got a, an audience. There's a bit of a, a stress factor there that I've got to try and live up to now. Yeah, look at look at look, look, look at football teams. Yeah, they generally play better at home. That's why the end of last season was like watching dog shit.
2: Because <laughs> they need the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. You're still playing on the same blade, blades of grass, regardless of the grounds you're in. But if you're in your home environment where you're used to, used to everything being the way that you know that it is, do you know what I mean? You, the dumbbells are over there. Squat racks are over there. That is, that's routine. And and, and we, we are, we're suckers for routine. We need it. Without routine, we just crumble. Our mental health crumbles. We, we need it. Now, you take all that away and, and, to get back to your question how would I how did I think it would have affected me I'd have gone to shit I know that I know I know that first and foremost my eating would have gone to shit and then because my body would have started to change because I was eating so much crap that would have made me feel more depressed and I'd have eaten even more again and then even even the thought of going to the gym I'd be like well what's the point I've just done Six, seven, eight thousand calories a night for the last eight days. What's the point in well, me going to the gym to burn three hundred calories? I may as well just wait another month, two months, and wait yeah. for it all to finish. Now, by the time that changes, the damage you've done to your physical health. I mean, do you remember the documentary, um uh, the McDonald's one? Are you going to say yeah, supersize me? Was it? Yeah, supersize me. Exactly what he did in four weeks of eating crap, to his body would diet now that's obviously taking it to the extreme but you've got to remember he was also exercising he was walking yeah. to McDonald's you know he was he was pottering around you're stuck in your house eating crap trying to feel good about yourself chasing a sugar spike for the most part for most people that is drastically detrimental to your health and that's just me who owns a gym so I I, 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 I dare't even claim to be able to comprehend how our members would have felt at home some of them not with families some of them with families it's a crisis to say the very least. Do you know what I mean? And off the back of that is probably why our our petition did so well as you know, towards the end we got 650,000 signatures on a petition and that's because everybody was sharing. I mean, I I started with like 20,000 followers, 21,000 followers on my Instagram. So that. That wasn't my reach, do you know what I mean? I could have got 21,000 on there, but I wasn't responsible for 650,000. You shared it, Lucy shared it, Cal shared it, everybody shared it and that's why it got so far. And you've got to remember that our generation, we don't really vote and it takes a couple of minutes to vote, it's it's not the end of the world. So the fact that you've then taken 650,000 people who've gone out of their way to go on the petition site, fill in all the details, send it, that's huge they can't even get us to do that to vote for what happens to our entire country but yet we can get 650,000 people to do that to keep the gym. I open. think it's when
1: so people will do what they're asked about at the end of the day people don't give a fuck about spending 10 seconds if it isn't like if it doesn't personally interest them and I can get behind that I think just following from what you've said there in regards to home workouts and being motivated and just playing devil's advocate here do you think that it is I wouldn't say easier but would you say it's, well, I would say, easier <laughs> for a female to train at home? Because I know, like, even when it was starting to open back up for me, I was like, fucking need to get back. But you, whereas you could still, like, do a couple of home sessions.
0: So I have, a, I have a spin on this. I think the thing that happened to a lot of women, and I can't vouch for guys because I'm not one, but girls became obsessed. With what they look like, with doing hit workouts every day, from a lot of influence who were saying, doing, a right now, yeah. do do a hit workout every day. So I think they started to feel pressure, and I know this because so many people have messaged me because I was very against it. I was like, don't do a HIT workout seven days a week because you feel like you have to. You'll kill your joints. You don't need to do that. You're probably not eating enough. You... I was just so against it. I was still doing my same exact split Indeed. in the gym, doing, doing weight at home, and I had, like, a fucking dumbbell. So I think with girls, they got obsessed with yeah. exercise, and then they were panicking, if they, if they hadn't followed someone's live workout, if they hadn't done, like, two hit workouts that day. And I, I didn't get wrapped up into it, but I was doing lives, what, three days a week, on top of my own training, on top of Zoom classes for people, and you were like, you're doing so much. Yeah. I felt like I had to help people, but I was dying.
1: I think people were just trying, like... People knew the importance of exercise, but because they couldn't do what they usually would like to have done, they kind of, like... We're swapping it for other stuff. So, like,
0: we're swapping it for hit workouts. We had like
1: bodybuilders who were doing like 5Ks, you're having fucking powerlifters who were doing all sorts of shit to try and get exercise in. And I pulled a quote, quote up from him. Um, it wasn't the NHS website, it was a Harvard article. It was talking about the impacts of exercise. And it was from a, a guy called Dr. Cohen. And he's talking about any type of exercise is useful as long as it suits you and you do enough of it which it means it, it needs to have a special interest in, in their mental health. Now, if you're trying to force yourself to do something that you're not interested in that you don't enjoy, it's only going to be a matter of time before you're like, fuck it, I can't be off. So I know that I did That's it. That's really I was like, hard. I fucking did a couple of five k's yes. and I was like, can't be off doing this anymore. So, yeah, ex- exercise is great. I and mean, the government pushing people, you can go outside and do exercise, you can go and do... It, that only lasts so long. And I, I had loads of mates who like, done a 5K, done a tank. I was great at the start. It was like, everyone's getting into exercise. Fucking four weeks later Everyone hates it because it's not their bread and butter. It's not what they enjoy doing. They're just doing it because that's a, that's a substitute. Yep. And I think the, it was the NHS who recommended to stay healthy. Adults should be doing like 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise every week. And if people are starting to get bored after two weeks of doing it, they're not going to adhere to that after a, a couple of weeks after. The, and I know there's been loads of research on like cardiovascular exercise and how good it is for mental health. There isn't a lot of the moon that talks about... Weight, resist, uh, weight training there's or resistance training. training in regards to people's mental health but there's a lot of work going at harvard at the moment who are, who are doing a lot more research into it because when you do weight training it releases a different protein into the brain into the hippocampus which you don't get from cardiovascular exercise so i think the it's more in, we understand and the more research ben. that comes out
0: you get enjoyment
1: yeah the, the more we will understand how much more pivotal that Physical weight—not just exercise, weight training—that you can't get from sitting at home—is to people's mental health, and more that we kind of progress and develop this research into it as well. One hundred percent. So I think I
2: think you both hit the nail on the head, and that—that that is the. That is the counter argument to government suggestion to exercise outdoors that they could not argue against because the science did not support the claims that they were making. And uh, as you were saying, sustainability and longevity is everything. If yeah. you're going, if you're going to try and take a square and force it into a circular hole, it, you, you're not going to do it. You, you can try that all day long, and you're not going to get anywhere. So. We'll try
1: it. For example, you For me, you're. I call you the fillet steak. It's trying to force you into to to, to being a fucking vegan for a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 it's you're, it's you're a a recipe, It's a
2: recipe for disaster. Yeah. Now, do you completely when we locked down? Did you completely change your diet up to something that is the can you know the, the contrast to what you've been eating for years? No, you didn't. So why would you do the same with exercise? Yeah. I mean, as you were saying, Luca I, I I think this that's the perfect take home from that element of the whole thing. Is that you shouldn't you shouldn't wander too far away from your routine. You should match as close to you as close as you best can to the routine that you're used to, so that you can sustain it through through you know what was a difficult mm-hmm. time for everybody. Now, if you can mimic, nobody could get it perfectly. Like you said you had a dumbbell. There's only so much that you can do, but if you can if you can match that to as close to your normal training as possible, there's more chance of you sustaining that, and there's more chance of you getting through the one, two, three, four month period consistently and still stay in there. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's I think the whole concept of oh you can just do it outdoors is fine. And, yeah. and it's not because they, they they sectioned off all the outdoor gyms. you've seen some of the footage on my Instagram. Oh, yeah. that's watching you Yeah. Watch scroll that. Scro- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. scroll yeah. down 15, 20 posts on my Instagram and you'll see that they've they've spent so much time taping up and boarding up outdoor pull-up stations and stuff like that. Like it, it's absolutely crazy. Now <sighs> It, it's disappointing to see that but there is many a silver lining we can take from the situation and the, the best thing or one of the best things that come from this is the awareness to the whole situation now and as you say and the the awareness of resistance training and weight training and actual gym training is now at an all-time high we've had national exposure now global exposure we've had our day in parliament the entire industry is awake right now. governments are listening to us, the trade bodies are listening to us. This is our opportunity now to, to be made to be taken seriously. Now, as you will both know because you've been around as long as I have, our industry didn't explode until the end of 2014, early 2015 when Instagram <clears throat> went absolutely through the roof. Before mm-hmm. that, I mean back when I was bodybuilding in 2010, 2011. Nobody knew where it was whatsoever. Like I, I'd I'd walk through the streets at home, and had, and people would look at me in shock and awe. Do you know, what I mean? like, well, what is this guy? What, what's going on there?" Yeah, yeah. 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 It looks like oh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger over there. Because that's the only <laughs> time people had seen See, that. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. skip forward five years, Instagram Instagram explodes at the end of two thousand and fourteen, beginning two thousand and fifteen. Now it's huge, but we've not had our industry as a whole has not faced any any adversity whatsoever from two thousand and fifteen when it when it exploded now, we've had a nice run, we've had our body powers, we've had our big events, everybody's made their money and yeah. we've not been challenged in any way whatsoever. And we've not, we've not made any noise because everybody had it pretty nice until it's come to something serious like COVID. And then it's like, right, which industries, and there's a central government talking right now, which industries can we afford to just push in the corner because they don't make much noise? Ooh, health and fitness industry, let's push them in the corner. They won't make no noise, they won't fight back. We fought back and we fought back hard no other sector fought like we did restaurants hospitality nobody stood up the way that we did so now the world is awake to our industry the impact that we have how essential we are to alleviating the strain of the nhs how, how paramount our sector is to the the physical and mental health of the nation so this is our opportunity now to ride this wave to ride the awareness and to as you say bring these studies to the forefront of you know uh of people's screens look, this is what we do, this is what we contribute, this is why we're important, this is why we need to be taken seriously and this is why we need to be more endorsed. Now, just just to take it back to an earlier point, Lucia, you said you were doing your Zoom videos every day, you were doing your Instagram workouts, you were helping people. What did you see from the BBC?
0: Nothing.
2: No, you pay, you, <laughs> nothing whatsoever. No. You pay your TV licence, I pay my TV licence. They take huge amounts of money away from this country every year and people are paid TV licences. How much do you think it would have cost them to pay a PT to go on the BBC for one hour a day or even half an hour a day and do some sort of
1: class, do a well, resistance class. It was like, well, the, the guy who pioneered that for, for mostly was Joe Wicks. On YouTube. He, he fucking smashed it and he did it for, he, did, he started doing well, like did it off for his Joe, own back. And, didn't um, he exactly. Did he's he's
0: did private.
2: He did that, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, what is our government doing? We have BBC One and BBC Two, which we all pay our TV license for. It would have cost them, what's the, the average rate of a PT? £30 an hour?
0: Something like yeah. that. It would have
2: cost them. It would have right? cost them thirty pounds to put somebody who who isn't of, of you know any any huge fan, uh, a huge social influence. Because you know, it, I mean, that would have been great, but that wasn't entirely necessary. If, if the argument were, well, we haven't got the money to do that. Okay, we'll take a PT from any gym.
1: Could just rotate. Jimshaw at the star. I
0: would have done it for free. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I mean.
2: I
1: what have people people would have been lining it
2: up it.
0: Yeah.
2: You'd have yeah. done it just for, just for the morals. You know, just 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 for a good moral cause, you'd have said, "I'll do that. I'll give you an hour of my time. Put me on BBC. Yeah, I, I'll I'll do that. I'll do half an hour class, and then I'll do half an hour nutritional advice." We see nothing like that from government at all. Whilst every single headline and every single conference Boris was talking about national health, national health, save lives, save health, exercise. But where, where's the support? Now, I think this time next year we'll see a, a huge change in how they approach things like that because as I say, they've awoken a
1: beast. I think it's exciting for the health and fitness industry moving forward. I think it's like, I I think, obviously, depending on what goes on next year with the vaccines, with how much freedom we get next year, I think 2021, 2022 is an exciting year because people realise a lot more the benefits of, as I said, not just exercise, but resistance training. Like, I keep pushing this to people a lot, like, genuinely, as simple as this, lifting up heavy shit and putting it back down fucking does stuff that a, a run can't do yep. I mean that's why it's, it's great for them saying "'ll oh, go outside and run it, yeah, that's why it's great for all runners because they're just doing the same shit they were all doing people were in gyms went fucking on the cardio machines every day and that's all they were doing like runners weren't in gyms runners were outside already, so it was e- it was easier for them to make that that transition into I'll just do it outside. I'm trying to force a non-hardcore runner to go outside in the streets during November, December, January time. It's not fucking happening. Yeah. Like it's very difficult right. to, to say that. And that's where resistance training is so hard. And I was looking at another study that was published by Harvard and they were talking about the significance of reducing depressive symptoms, using resistance training again and, and improving moods. Um, and regardless of whether they, they grew or that whether they, they got compositional changes, that's not what it was about. It's just because they enjoyed the challenge yeah. of going in and doing something. And me and you spoke the other day about how we've known guys who turn up at the gym every day, they've been going for three or four years and they look no fucking different. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not about that for a lot of them. It's about they enjoy going, they enjoy getting a lift in, they enjoy having a chat with someone, they enjoy going home. It's exactly the same with a lot of the gyms that, that, that we've gone to previously, isn't it? Is yeah, well,
0: right? I was going to say from like a girl's perspective, I feel like it's changed quite significantly over the past I'd say like only two years like there's still quite a stigma of you look like a man or like all of that but I think it's very empowering for women like I mean women we used to be cardio bunnies we used to want the thigh cut. we used to want to be hella skinny <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that's now transitioned to girls actually wanting to be in a gym environment they actually want to go and lift weights which, which wasn't a thing was it like yeah. when I first started what like four or five years ago I did faster cardio for like three hours a day. Yeah. I, 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 didn't have, I didn't have that passion for lifting yeah. weights like guys did, but it's transitioned over like the past four years and it's fucking amazing. I, again, like, like, I love it.
1: If you want to see like more information just done about the impacts of resistance training, there's a guy called Jacob Mayers. Uh, he talks about the effects that resistance training has with depression and anxiety and the effects that the, the so neurobiology true. of depression has and how that sometimes resistance training can far be greater um, than aerobic training alone. So just have a look at some of this stuff online. Um, And and I think a lot of people, especially maybe who who just do aerobic exercise, won't really understand what we were talking about. If you want to try and relate more, just go and pick up a fucking dumbbell or a barbell and have a play around for 45 minutes and let us know how you feel.
0: I think as well, one thing uh, we didn't mention, and we did a whole podcast on this, was the relationship between obesity and covid patients yes and yeah, it's huge. there was a huge relationship if you had obesity or uh, type 2 diabetes there were more transmissions in hospitals <clears throat> of people with covid but then the government decided to shut the gyms so your mental health's deteriorating you're binge eating People are getting out of shape. People who are already obese are more obese are going to get COVID. And it was just like a, like a spiral. I couldn't get my head around. I was like, you've closed the one sector that these people need to actually live because they're, they're more susceptible to COVID because their respiratory systems generally aren't as healthy. And it was trying to get my head around. That was the most backwards thing.
2: And I bet you didn't get
0: your head around. I, can't, I still can't You're get still my head around, around stay, it. Yes, That's still. why I just had to bring it up because I was like, I still think it's just... Ridiculous because you're not—they're not helping anyone. Like you said, protect the NHS, save lives. You're not—well, you're not helping the NHS by doing what you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, like it, like internally upset me. Well, I
1: think that that's the thing. <clears throat> like we spoke about recently, and this is—I know this is probably a weird one, but not a weird one because I've fucking pestered you about it about getting up in early mornings. <laughs> and how have you felt from? Because we obviously we're on Lands' at the moment. Just for anyone who's—it's who's, who's kind of catching up. Me, Nick. Lucy, we're with the team as well, and we've we've had a good couple of weeks here, and we've been training earlier than usual because Nick usually trains a little bit later on. How have you felt from like going to the gym early on, and then training? How do you you usually get up in the morning? Probably feeling a bit groggy because you're not usually getting up early. You do your um, things a bit later on that, and again, there's nothing wrong with doing that because some people are night owls, some people are early birds. How have you felt from like what, one getting up feeling groggy, getting to the gym, finishing your work out How do you feel afterwards? I think
2: <clears throat> I wanna put my answer to this in context. So the people that you were around make all the difference. If I was getting up this early at home and going at the gym, I don't think it would last very long. I don't think it would be sustainable for <laughs> me personally yeah. and my type of lifestyle because I don't have people like you guys that live near me yeah. who can fit that into their routine. If I go to the gym early at home, there's next to no one in there because everybody's in work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Now Go in the gym early with you guys, and it took me a good few days to get into the swing of it, and it killed me. Once I was set in that routine, it suited me perfectly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean it? We, we we get it out the way, and you've got the rest of the day to do what you want with it. Do you know what I mean if I had you guys living closer to me than you were, I would stay in that routine one hundred percent. It's just, and I think I think it's very easy to take it uh, to misunderstand what I say when I say that I don't like training in the mornings. That's because of the social element, yeah. not because of anything yeah, 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 in terms of productivity. It's because I go to the gym and there's not as many people there. Yeah. I don't get that buzz. But obviously, if I had somebody like you guys in it, it it's all. I think it's it's very much your environment and your setting rather than it is yeah, a specific
1: yeah. time. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's, I, it's it's personal preference, obviously. And what I'm trying to get at is is that. By the way, I'm not saying that everyone should train early mornings. <laughs> it's what's optimal to you. What I'm trying to get at is how quickly you can go from feeling groggy and a bit shitty in the morning to fucking me, I could strangle the world just, just because you've got, you've got a workout in. Yeah, like it's, you, it's amazing how much of us, yeah. yeah, it's amazing how quickly that can, that can change your mood. And sometimes it's hard yeah. to go to the gym. Sometimes it's hard to stay motivated all the whole time. But have you ever gone to the gym, done a workout and then thought, fuck me, do you know what? I wish I would've never done that.
2: <laughs> Has that ever happened?
1: Like That's it, does, that just doesn't thing. happen, does no,
2: it? it? No. And to elaborate on what you just said there in terms of how much energy that you have post-session, now I've never, really, I've never really framed it in this way before, but I train late at home and then I don't go to sleep till 4 or 5 in the morning, 4 or 5 a.m. every night. Now, that is most likely because I'm training later, I get that buzz later, and room. I'm coming down from that later. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so if you're going to get that, that that positive spike and that positive rush, if you're wanting to sleep at night, and if you're somebody like me that does sleep, struggle sleeping at night, you will be best getting that out of the way early. If yeah. you're an
1: easy sleeper, do what suits you. That's why I advise that um, thingy Walker books here, because he talks about the spike and the high that you get from physical exercise, yeah. and how that kind of like lasts a certain period of time. There's not there's nothing like wrong with that, because you're, you're a night owl, you work very well at night. You you do a lot of writing at night, you do uh, a lot of research at night. We just work on different end of spectrum. And, then every, and he talks about that. Um, Again, I don't want to go too much off topic, but in regards to sleep, trying to force yourself um, into like, a different sleeping pattern when that isn't the way your body clock works. It's worse than doing anything else. So again, you, you your body clock and you pick the times that you operate, not, not, yeah. the, not oh, the other I, way around. I, I'm fortunate in that I can pick the times that I want to do
2: whatever I want to do. I'm yeah. not on the clock. Do you know what I mean? So, so that, that is why I'm able to function the way that I do. But if I was working a, a nine to six i'd come home i'd want to get that i'd want to get that out the way before work yeah. Do you know what i mean because then it's done then and when you finish work you've got the time with your family and as much as it will kill you getting up an hour earlier to go to the gym as you said whenever you've ever gone to the gym and come out of there and gone <sighs> wish yeah. i hadn't done that yeah. you don't you don't you've just got to give yourself a kick up the ass in the morning get there get it out the way and then you feel great for the rest of the yeah. day then and, and that if you're if you're if you're running what you know society would deem as a normal life and you're working normal hours and you have a family it makes sense to get it yeah in yeah
1: way. I tell you I don't envy Lucy Davis getting up at <laughs> 4.30am tomorrow that's to true. no not even a little bit to my bedtime at home I mean that yeah
0: I'm also not looking forward to having Wheatie Bix at quarter past four in the morning well that,
1: that, <laughs> that, that, that's what I would look forward <sighs> oh. to but on the topic of YouTube videos before we wrap up this podcast I think we're going to do a try and get a second episode in this week because there's a lot more that we want to talk about me and Nick just did a great YouTube video this week.
0: You've done uh, a few great ones. We have. We did the Roman <laughs> Challenge.
1: Yeah. Uh, and this week we did um, a video on ex-con versus ex-police officer takes on the police fitness challenge. And this is something that we wanted to talk about in a future podcast is just how we come from different aspects of life and kind of our, our paths across. But if you've not watched that yet, go to my YouTube channel or go and check out Nick's Instagram, which is... Nicapo, N-I-C-K-C-A-P-O
2: Underscore Underscore
1: And your YouTube We uh, you changed it recently? Urban Lima I think it Erben is Urban Lima Okay Erben Erben uh, And it's I on my YouTube that. channel Which is at Mike Rich Ben So you can check that out If you want to see more of that And we'll be doing another podcast Hopefully this week We're going to delve into Some of the juicy shit I'd like, I'd like <laughs> to say But um it's been great to get another podcast in again, hasn't it? It's been a while since we've had a, a chit-chat. Yeah, and this one we apologise. It's been a, too, a it's yeah. been a hot
0: minute since we did a podcast. But as always... Oh, also, there was like Spotify thing that we kept going around. We were in like people's top charts on... Oh, yeah. Was it Spotify? I think so. But anyone podcast, who is reposting yeah. that, thank you so much. We always really, really appreciate it yes. when you tag the podcast, share the podcast.
1: So please Anything leave a review. Take podcast. a couple of seconds to leave a review. Make sure that you tag myself. Lucy, Nick, in this episode of the podcast, because we will reshare them. It'd be great to see you guys. Listen to it and see what you think and some of the feedback on on what's been going on. And obviously, all the great stuff that that Nick has done for the UK, and that's one thing that I talked about in the YouTube video is just our appreciation, even from from me and Lucy's point of view, who don't operate um, a brick and mortar business within the fitness industry. But what it's done for for both me and Lucy personally, what it's done for thousands of our members who were like so down. About not being able to go to the gym, mate. Honestly, I don't think you realise the the impact that has had on like a greater scale. Especially from me and Lucy getting the feedback from thousands of members and stuff. It's massively, massively appreciated. I know another thing is that you, as you always do when you do and put out greater good in the world, you'll have some negative bite back from from people as well. But I just believe that is massively part of the reciprocation effect. You put out positive shit, you're going to get positive shit back. So I think that you deserve all the positive shit that comes your way, mate. And just a massive thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you both yeah. so
2: much for having me. To everyone huge listening, thank, thank, you. thank you so much for tuning in. And Keep doing you. Keep staying positive and look forward to next year because it's going
1: to be absolutely huge okay, for of us. I promise you that much. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having tuned in. And we'll see you
0: in the next episode. Bye, Bye guys. guys.